Hi, welcome to the ACA, Adult Children Voices Across America speaker meeting. If you'd like to attend this meeting live, go to adultchildren.org, click on online meetings, and then scroll down to find Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. And tonight sharing his ACA experience, strength, and hope is Danny from New York City. Recovering adult child. Um, I'm sitting here. I have uh, all my literature here, and I keep thinking, oh, don't forget this and don't forget that. I just have so much material here, and and I have notes and everything, and I need to just focus and let my inner child and the higher power uh, guide me through this to explain. I think that's the simplest way. Uh, 2016, I'm in a couple of programs. I'm in AA for 27 years. 2006, I'd hit a bottom in 2015. I'll get to that. 2016, I was visiting a friend on Long Island. He said, let's go to a meeting. I thought it was going to be AA and he went to ACA. And I tried ACA before and it was just people talking about their mothers and stuff like that. And then they read the laundry list and I said, wait, what? What? That's a thing? I, I didn't even know. I mean, I had these things inside me from the way I grew up and I'll get to that. But it was like, whoa, people are talking about this stuff. Fear of uh, authority, uh, love and pity, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, and I have been through the yellow book uh, I have a fellow traveler. We spent two years going through the yellow book line by line by line. We would sit there at a pizza shop and just conjugate and ruminate over what, and then we was, oh my God, that's what that means. Uh, and uh, now we're going through the laundry list workbook. And um, I'm just saying that to say like, this is not easy, but it is incredibly worth it. I have a peace and a serenity today that I couldn't imagine before. Um, I guess that should have been the end. We'll start with that. But anyway, uh, what happened was, and I had tried ACA before, but my parents didn't drink. You know, and I heard, and I read literature. The literature kept talking about, and 2005, 2005 I hit a bottom and somebody sent me uh, a book about uh, adult children of alcoholics and my parents didn't drink it. It kept talking about parents didn't drink. So I didn't know that I, I identified here. Um, uh, the longer I'm here, um, I was born in Western New York, a small town of about 15,000 people big family on both sides. My father was Irish, my mother was Italian, and very small, just ex huge extended family. Like if I, if we weren't at my grand, my mother's grandparents had this huge house and people would come over for a Sunday dinner and just like, you know, the cliche huge with all the cousins and things like that. If we weren't at a grandparent's house or a cousin's house, I was either at school or at mass, because I wanted to be a good little Catholic boy, or at my home, and that was it. And uh, so I'm, you know, of course, at this time, I'm, I'm the youngest, and nothing but cousins, and family, and love, 
and all that. And I'm going to Catholic school and Jesus is my best friend. And I want to be a good Catholic boy. And one day I walk home from school and I go upstairs to my room and my mom comes out from her bedroom. And this man comes out from her bedroom and hi, you know, how are you? Like, I don't know. It's like, hi, you know, and we talk like, you know, it seems nice enough and friendly enough. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know, what's your favorite candy bar? You know, whatever seven-year-olds talk about. Anyway, my, uh, my mother, uh, A couple of months later, going into like Lent season, it was early spring, uh, my mom disappeared. Well, she didn't disappear. She like went away and with the other man and they went down to Maryland to set up a house because she was planning on leaving. I don't know this. I'm seven. I miss my mommy and it was okay. I'm living with my father's uh, mother, my grandmother and my couple of aunts and you know, school's a couple of blocks away, so it's just a nice, comfy life. Um, and uh, on the day of my first communion, my mom pulls up in a car, and she says, "Get in." I'm like, "Okay, hey, mom." You know, anyway. So she, I go to, I go to mass, have the ceremony. We get done. We go home to our house, and my mom says, "Well." I'm leaving. Who do you want to stay with? Do you want to stay here with your family and your daddy and all your cousins and aunts and uncles and stuff like that? Or do you want to go with me and, you know, Mr. Mr. G, I'll say anonymity. Um, and I don't know. I just, I had to give it a shot. It's like, well, I want to stay here and have life the way it is. And, uh, she said, no, that's not an option. It's like, well, I knew I'd miss my mommy. So I went with my mom. And uh, um, and down there for the first couple little while, it, it wasn't too bad, you know, it's kind of good, but something's, I feel something missing, you know, and something doesn't feel right. And uh, so the stepfather slowly flips He's not an alcoholic, but he probably should have drank. He's probably a dry drunk, just always screaming and hollering and raging. And the point, what I'm trying to illustrate is I started out with an idyllic uh, childhood where I'm being nurtured and loved and cared for. And all that is gone and replaced by criticism, shaming, scolding at the drop of the hat, where I used to you know, say silly things like kids do. Now I get this attack. You know, and one day he like screamed at me. It was like, oh my God, what do I, and I'm like seven. This guy's like three times my size. I'm like, ah, so anyway. And so when I got in here and they talked about fractured, fractured cells, I got it. I understood what they meant. And, um, and in the literature, it says, uh, we couldn't be our genuine selves who we were meant to be. So we molded a personality that could change it to drop of a hat. That was me. 
And because uh, I couldn't be myself, if I express myself, I'm going to get ashamed or scolded or judged or whatever, or screamed at by this guy. And, uh, and well, I'm making do, you know, I, I don't know what's going on. I'm just doing the best I can. And uh, a couple of years later, he brings, they bring his brother down, who's like four years older than me, where, okay, so now my family's taken away, abandonment. Now, uh, my position in the family is taken away. There's this older kid there who's taking all my stuff. So I'm being bullied at home. So uh, yeah, I, uh, they talked about being shut down and I'd always said like, it felt like at some point in my life, I stuffed myself in a trunk, wrapped it in chains and dumped it into a river because my true self was not, when I was my true self, I got attacked or violated or whatever, and I'll go into that. And this, so, so that's the way, the way it was. And I loved uh, the tree, the family tree where you got to see all the dysfunction. There was only one alcoholic in, in my family that was my father's father who was a raging alcoholic. But as far as gambling addicts and sex addicts and a lot of other bad behavior, uh, that's in there. And um, my, uh, my father and my mother are both adult children. My mother passed away about 10 years ago. Uh, so I'm growing up down there doing the best I can, getting by, uh, stuffing myself and learning that uh, you know, and it said in childhood, our identity was formed by the re reflection we see in the eyes of other people. And, and that's what happened. So it, I had when I'm, I so I start going to school down there and I'm the new kid and I talk funny and stuff like this. And I get teased a lot. And it's like, like, what's this? You know, I there used to be no no tension at all. Like all of a sudden I'm like getting all this. And I don't you know, I don't know, but I'm just doing my best to get by uh, in, it wasn't horrible. I mean, I had friends and things were okay. It's just, you know, this, uh, then a few years later, we moved to another neighborhood in the same, like in the same town, but another part of the same town. And uh, the stepfather buys a gas station and then he, uh, and then which, he bought this gas station and turned the gas station into a veritable empire with TV shows and radio shows and newspaper columns and stuff like that. It was surreal. It was like all this success. Uh, that's another program, maybe. Uh, and then his second brother comes down, who was older than the one who had originally come down. And this guy is like... <sighs> and he turned out to be a, a predator, a pedophile. And I'm working at the gas station. I'm like 14 and I have, you know, my first girlfriend and he starts hitting on me. It's like, what the hell is ugly thing? I get away from me. And, you know, and somewhere I learned like, don't fight back, just take it, just shut up and take it, let it pass. And uh, that was one of the big things. And I, I learned like, don't fight back, just let it pass and get by and whatever. Uh, and um, 
and that wasn't pleasant. Um, before I came into ACA in 2014, I did steps in UA and it was uh, a family of origin thing. And I got to see that like, wow, like there were people that really loved me, that really thought I was really, for want of a better word, a special sort of guy, you know, like to hang around, well loved by people that knew me. But outside of that, once I step out of that, I'm a freaking target. I'm violated. I'm like, when I was a kid, every bike I ever had got stolen. Uh, I had a paper route and the people wouldn't pay me. They would pretend like they weren't home. Then I wouldn't deliver their paper and they would uh, complain. Then I get in trouble for not delivering their paper when, so, you know, advocating for myself, speaking up for myself, you know, and the fear of authority and somewhere in there, somewhere in there, I learned uh, about love and pity. And for me, pity is like the non-alcoholic beer of love feels warm and fuzzy for a minute, but doesn't have the effect. Uh, so anyway, I get, and the point of all this is then in, I guess about the same time, I'm about 14, my cousin comes down and to visit for uh, a summer. And he says, do you smoke? And I was like, yeah, cigarettes. And he said, no, I meant pot. And I said, no, God, I hope you wish you hadn't said that. And he painted this picture of like, you know, the hippie sort of culture where everybody shares and you have pot and everyone's having, having this nice friendly moment and um and so i bought into it and so i did it and i started and i was out of control from that moment forward and if you've seen the movies of the pot smokers with all the you know pot billowing out of the van and all that that was me uh i did that i like a part of me freaking hated it but i'm looking for some place and I finally found it um, in high school. Like I'm hanging out with the stoners before school and stuff like that. And, and, and I hate it, but I'm doing it. I don't know why, but I'm powerless over this. And all I know is I'm doing whatever I can to, now I can see I was doing whatever I can to stuff this thing. And also like, I can see the life I wanted to be living, but I'm also in, so I, I'm also <laughs> have addictive qualities too. So part of it's that. Um, And like, uh, I don't know. And then uh, people were, and then I tried selling pot and I got robbed and hustled and whatever. And then, uh, and then when I'm in 10th grade, I get uh, sexually assaulted at school. And, um, and then the next year I taking driver's ed in summer school and I meet this girl and she's cute. Now I had always thought like you just get to a certain age and you just kind of get a wife and a career and a house and blah, blah, blah. And you move on. And then you get out of school and you meet, you have a girl and you start a life together. And uh, she was cute and she liked me and we would visit each other and then it turned out we lived in the same town and had mutual friends and then we uh one day she says you know next year we're going to be out of school we could move to new york and um and uh you know have a life there and you could do your painting and stuff like that i wanted to paint 
and um, I uh, and I just said no. And I don't know what that was. She said, okay, goodbye, and kicked me out. And it was dark after that, deep darkness after that. And I kept wanting to call her, but something stopped me. And my point is I'm going into this darkness, like I'll accept like workable relationships. What, what is that? I don't know how you do that. Uh, so, I go into this dark, dark, dark period. And anytime I thought to call her, something said, no, 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 just leave her alone. And so I started hanging out with, I finally found what I've been looking for. And, you know, with these kids, these kids that were hanging on the corner, you know, finally, it was like, finally a place where people weren't fucking with me all the time. And they weren't, they had no dreams or aspirations or anything. They were just sort of going along with it. So I had to learn how to be one of them, you know, and before that I had some dreams and goals and things like that. Then I got out into the world and I started, uh, I started drinking. I'm in the working world and and I'm good at what I do. I work in the printing industry and people would hire me and I was just Um, I was just, well, <laughs> usually I was hung over, but still, I just, I don't know how you do workable relationships. And when I went through my steps with uh, a sponsor in this program, with my sponsor in this program, she said it uh, perfectly. She said, you just come out swinging and that's it. And she said, you're punch drunk. You just come out swinging. And that's exactly it. I don't, uh, I, and I don't mean violently. I don't go around hitting people, but, uh, you know, um, theoretically, I just come out swinging. You try to get too close and uh, I freak out and it's not going to happen. And when I did my steps in 2014 in UA, I got to see like, there were these jobs that really, really loved me. And all I could see was they were messing with me. And then every, when I went to the steps, I got to see like, they weren't messing with me. They were relying on me. They were trying to develop a relationship so that I could stay there with them. And I would freak out and I'd scream and holler and fuss like my stepfather. Imagine that, you know, got to see that in the uh, going through the laundry list book I turned into my stepfather, you know, screaming, overreacting, hollering at people at the drop of a hat over the simplest things. And then it would get to a point and it would be like, when they would get too close, it would be F you, I quit. And I'd move on to the next job and do the next thing. And that was, uh, and, and I did hurt people like that. I mean, there were a couple of, one job in particular, long story, but, I had a buddy that I was working with and we were working in a satellite location and I walked in and quit. And he said, well, I called the office and, and the owner, Alona, he said, sounded like she was crying. It was like, oh, you know, and just, I, I couldn't feel that. Cause I just, um, like hurting 
others when they get too close just is the way to go. Uh, when I was younger, as I said, when we first got down to Maryland, I was teased a lot and stuff like that. And some of it was like their TV shows or, or um, where people call each other names and, or a therapist tried to explain that sometimes boys do that to each other and it's out of, you know, kidding and teasing. And I couldn't tell the difference if they were being mean or if not. And I just took it all as a hit and an assault and you know, stuffed it down. I, I couldn't tell the difference because sometimes I would start laughing. They go, no, I mean it. Or, or if they meant me harm, it was like, oh God, I couldn't, I couldn't tell the difference. So I, uh, so that was, uh, that's pretty much how it went. Um, uh, drunk out of a lot of jobs and um, I uh, let's see here so 1992 I get sober and I get a job and like I'd been living this punk rock lifestyle in Arlington, Virginia, and I get sober. And I think the thing is, I'm going to go back to, I, I moved to Alexandria, Virginia, which is a colonial little port village outside of Washington, DC. I'm going to go back to Catholic, my Catholicism and be a good Catholic boy again. And that'll be the right thing. And it, um, and I get a job down there with this man with this at this place and, and this and the owner was really, really nice. And he would come up, hey, how are you doing, Dan? And I would just flip out, whoa, blah, blah, and just start screaming and yelling at him. It's like. And I had jobs and things like that where people would say, What's wrong? And I was like, I don't know. To me, I didn't see anything that was wrong. I was just being who I was. And they were like, we want you to be happy. We want you to be happy here. What can we do? It's like, I, I don't know. I didn't have any answers. Um, but um, I guess that's just to set up like I have a happiness today after coming to ACA. And going through the process of the yellow book and the laundry list book. Um, so I start, I'm in Alexandria, Virginia. I start acting at a local community theater. And I go to, and pretty soon people are like, you, do, you, you belong in New York, you should get to New York. And, um, and I moved to New York and that's a long story, but I was taken care of along the way. Um, Um, and again, I get a job at a film studio.
and I meet about every A-list celebrity that there is at that time, most. And that was pretty cool. Um, trying to keep this on my ACA stuff. But it was it was still, you know, the reactive, the screaming and hollering and the uh, and there's a line in the Daily Reader. And it says. Uh, I can't find it. When it essentially says, and I'll paraphrase, um, when we admit that the only way we know how to deal with life is to slam doors, shut down, attack, violate, then that's when we hit, <laughs> hit bottom, sort of. And, and that's what it was for me. That's the only way I knew how to deal with life was to, to lash back uh, lash back, slam doors, whatever. And um, I couldn't. Um, and my, my boss was like, one day he said, God, I just can't stand. He said, some days I just don't want to get near you because you're just like, whatever and um and there is in in the literature somewhere um in the literature it mentions like it talks about intimacy it's like I, what's that i mean i see uh, you know, I see a couple walking down the street with a baby stroller, walking a dog, and I'm like, how do they do that? I, 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 I don't even get how you do that. Uh, I've never been, never been uh, married, very few relationships. And somewhere in the literature, it mentions, like, if your nurturing is... Uh, taken away uh, when you're younger, then your chances of learning how to be intimate are not good. And I think that's part of it. As I mentioned, I grew up in a very nurturing environment and that was taken away and replaced by shaming and scolding and criticizing. I learned how to shape shift. I learned how to get by. I learned how to get past. And 2005, I was attracted to a woman, and uh, it just blew up in my face, and I ended up in therapy and going around to all these different rooms, and I could never find the place that could uh, uh, touch on what, what was going on, which was here. Uh, so the... Uh, Um, so then I realized, like, so I go into therapy and, and that's what would happen is I would be attracted to a woman and then it would you know, get to a point and I would just, okay, I'm out of here, blow it up and then go into a depression or 
whatever, and I, I would end up in therapy. And he had me do this exercise, and I realized, like, I had, like, there were about over 20 women that I had possible connections with that were open, and when they became open and available, it was like, uh, I slammed the door. And and I ran into it in the uh, 12th trait in the book, in the laundry list book. <clears throat> it said, we restrict our circles to only those whose way of interacting with us doesn't cross the that invisible emotional wall we have around us to avoid intimacy. Occasionally, a person gets through our well-guarded barrier and gets close enough that we might even think of establishing a genuine relationship. But suddenly, we shut them out because of a real or slight imagine or imagined slight and reinforce our disconnection from others. And Um, so after 2005, I had that relationship blew up, end up in therapy. And then I had a relationship for a couple of years to, and we, 2012 to 14. And then in 2014, when I go through my steps in UA, uh, through synchronicity and all that, that girl that I was in love with in high school, I found her again. It's like I tried before, you know, with the digital age and I couldn't find her. And she, uh, and so I found her and I sent her a letter saying hi. And she sent, and she called me on Christmas and we had a very nice talk. And she said, well, I'll visit New York, you know, later we'll get to see each other. And which was a bad thing. I took bad advice from some people. And went up and visited her and I knew like I wasn't ready and visited her and it went well just at one point it happened again we got to a certain point everything was going well we were sitting there we go to the beach and uh and everything was fine and then just I shut down I dissociated on the bus up there, I realized something's wrong. And I'm like, dude, wake up. It's like part of me just like shuts up down. And I'm just like, wake up. Where are you? It's like, you should be happy. It's like this. And I'm just numb anyway. So it gets to the point. And I shut down. And she like takes it like I'm rebuffing her and rejecting her. And she sent me a text on my bus ride home saying, you know, get over yourself. A few other choice things. And I was in bed for two days and I couldn't didn't eat or sleep. And, um, and what, and then it was the next year. And when we went through the yellow book, my yellow book, buddy and i realized that yeah it's like we have this force field around us but when somebody gets too close we're the ones that get zapped that's what happens i'm the one that gets zapped he um she uh so anyway that's 2015 2016 was when i go to visit my buddy on long island he takes me to ua meeting which or an aa meeting which ends up being aca and i learned the laundry list holy cow and we went through 
And then I started going to meetings and somebody called me and asked if I want to go through the book and we went through the yellow book together. And I got to see that, like, you know, like the PTSD, it says our bodies are hardwired to protect themselves. And that's it. I get too close. And even though it's a lovely person and I want to be closer, it just my body automatically shuts down. And I'm powerless over that. I'm come to realize about powerlessness. I can't control it. I can't fake it. I can't make it go away. I can't will it away. I can't promise myself, oh, okay, I'll act differently. There's only one way it can happen, and that's going through the process of the steps. And uh, and I've done all the seemingly innocuous, silly little exercises in the book. When I said to do an exercise, we did them. You know, when I did the non-dominant handwriting to my inner child and talked about my step uncles, the next day, every ligament in my body was like a rag doll. I just had just completely all this tension left my body. And I still do uh, the non-dominant handwriting. I do meditations anything I can do to uh, to get in touch with inner childs because there's like there's a couple of in there that are that are pretty elusive and they're the ones that cause the most harm that just you know and but I, I think the biggest thing is that I'm learning to trust I've learned to trust my own instincts. Like growing up, it talks in there about, you know, I needed other people to, you know, tell me what to, you know, what to do and stuff like that. I was always looking at, you know, what I was, whoever, you know, anyone said I was, I was always looking for that. And I don't have to do that anymore. Like my true self is starting to come up. It's like, I got the trunk out of the river. I took off the chains and starting to open it up. And my true self is starting to come out this past weekend I do pet care and, and and I was caring for a pet and it wasn't having it. It was not happening. It let me know it. And it was five o'clock on Monday morning. The cat was supposed to go by noon. And I just realized, you know what, this isn't, this isn't working before somebody gets hurt. You know, if I get bit, it's going to cost me more money than a doctor's visit than what I earned. So, and the point was, I knew what to do is like, I left the apartment. I wandered around my neighborhood. There were places to go. I said, I had coffee. And then I, talked to my service and they called the owner who had somebody come and pick up the animal. And for me to do that, it's huge. Instead of, I mean, I used to just would have had to stay there and suffer through it, you know, and just hope that, you know, I don't get bit or things don't get bad or something. Uh, I had, uh, I'm doing this, I'm an actor and I do a lot of different freelance things and I had this new client the other day and he asked like, well, what is your rate? And I said, uh, I told him like the rate I wanted. And he said, well, it's a little high. I said, we can negotiate. He said, no, 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 no. That's all right. For me to say, oh, I want blah, blah, blah. And get it. It's huge. I wasn't able to do that before. It was always, I'll, I'll do, you know, reactor instead of actor instead of reactor, you know, I'll do whatever you say, you know, you, you throw me a few crumbs and I'll take them. 
So I'm starting to like be able to get my own voice. Uh, I'm starting to state what I want in certain situations. I've started another program about, you know, getting down in there and healing the little healing that needs to be done as far as intimacy. I do uh, prayer and meditation every morning. I go to a meeting a couple of times a week. I have a couple of regular ones. And I have a serenity today that I have never known in my life. Just in this COVID time. Uh, I've just been taken care of. That's all I can say. Like, my, I found out, like, earlier in the year, I was in bad shape financially. And then the COVID hit and I got benefits. And then when the COVID started to go away, and then I got a notice, like, your COVID, your COVID benefits are ending. And then this little admin job that I had ended because of the COVID. And then yesterday or a couple of days ago, I had that uh, offer, that job offer from that person earning more money than I've earned in an hour for regular work um, ever. So it's like when I need it, the right thing happens. I'm in a place where I'm taken care of. There's a flow of prosperity in my life. When I need money, it happens. My relationships are better than ever. I'm starting to uh, get in touch with my true self and speak like from what I feel and what I need. And... Um, Uh, I'm sure I left a lot out. <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, tomorrow I'm going to be working myself over for what I didn't say. But but I, I, I guess that's about it. Thank you.